God, we just declare that this is just going to be an amazing year because you have said so, because you're amazing, God, because you really are worth it all. We just thank you, Lord, for, for your worth, for your value, for how you have deemed humanity, Lord. The, the very image of God declares that you have found value and worth in us, your bride. I thank you, Lord, that as we behold you, that we are becoming. From the very depths of our being, God, you have already put into us everything that brings worth and value and glory and honor to you and your name. And so, Lord, we do just declare that this year we're just so done with striving. Yeah. We're so done with running and being frantic and trying hard. And we just completely <coughs> surrender to you, Lord. Yes. Thank you, Lord, that surrender just so marks this year. And so what we do, we just lean back into who you are, into your big, strong, capable, warm, and loving arms. And we just thank you, Holy Spirit, for just this powerful work that you've been doing in this group of women and men. <laughs> <laughs> and for the others that come sometimes. Thank you, Lord, that... Um, it's just a deep, transformative work. So Lord, I just um, bless you today. I just bless every single woman. And I thank you for what you want to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Bless you, Derek. Big, brave man for being in this women's meeting. Um, okay, so today, I'm not really sure where today's going to go. Do y'all remember those books? I think they were more for boys. And maybe it was in the like, early, when I was growing up in the 70s, but... Like, you could choose what was going to happen. Like, you turned one page, and this would be the outcome. What were those books? Choose Your Own Adventure. Choose Your Own Adventure. Like, you could turn to this thing, and it would be this, and you would kind of make the outcome. That's kind of how I feel. Like, if I start here, we'll just go this way. And if I start here, it's going to be a totally different outcome. I want to kind of declare, um, I am going to talk just a little bit about the wilderness. I promise we're not going to stay in the wilderness <laughs> all spring. Some of us have moved out of the wilderness. Some of us have still been in the wilderness, but I do want to talk a little bit about just kind of what I feel, what I've learned in this last season. I got to spend some of the break. When I'm not teaching, I can kind of like start to journal just my own thoughts and what God has been doing in me and look back at this last season. And I talked two weeks ago at church. I don't know if you were here. Raise your hand if you were. I'm not doing this same thing, so don't worry. Those of you who are thinking, oh, great, we're going to have to it again. <clears throat> Although it wasn't terrible. It was great. Um, I... Uh, I've learned a few things in this last season, and so I kind of want to just talk a little bit about that, and I want to talk just a tiny bit about what I feel like the Lord is going to do. He actually took me into an encounter, and I just journaled it really quickly um, a couple of days ago, and then I realized this really is sort of what he wants to do in here, and I know he's going to fill in the gaps and add color and all kinds of things, so I don't really know exactly what it looks like, but I'm going to read that to you in a minute. <clears throat> but what I do know, I want to read you the scripture, Isaiah 51.3, and it says... For the Lord comforts Zion. He comforts all her waste places and makes her wilderness like Eden. Her desert like the garden of the Lord. Joy and gladness will be found in her. Thanksgiving and the voice of song. And if you have been in a wilderness, you get to like take heart because you really are in for some seriously fruitful, abundant times. 
because he promises that in that place, when our barren places and what seems to be like a desert, all of a sudden, and God is so into the suddenlies, Eden is springing up all around you, lush fatness, a forest of trees, there's rivers flowing for us. And so this last season, though it may have looked barren, though it really might be hard, if you will just, and I know we've already done it in here, you already have taken the time to write down some things that you know that God has said to you. You've, you've kind of come up against some stuff. We're going to talk about that in a little bit. You've come up against some things that were not meant to take from you. They were only meant to strengthen you. And so when you are, anytime we find ourselves in a wilderness season, we do not walk out of that season empty-handed and alone. We get to walk out of that season with spoil, fat, abundant harvest. And so that's what he's been doing. And if you are still in that wilderness season, I'm telling you, I want you to take heart because you really are in for an upgrade. You really are. I just feel like I need to say it again, and I've said it so much in the fall, but that word, if, if you are in a season of testing, you need to remember that the one who is doing the testing, and that word is dokumatso, and that word, it's like the refiner of silver. It's like the one who tests metals. And he is always after the gold. So sometimes I get in this place where I'm just so navel-gazing and looking at myself. And you know what? I don't know about you, but like, I am the hardest on myself of anybody. And we sang about it a lot today, and I do love that, that God in this place that we have been in and where we're going to go and even fuller measure is that he is telling me, let me love you. Now that might sound funny because God is love, right? And for God to love the whole world, he loves us. But do you know that sometimes I don't know how to let him love me? <laughs> it's okay. I like laughter, it's good. And that's what the surrender is. Do y'all know those, like, the five love languages? Yeah. There's the five love languages. I'm either speaking prophetically or y'all are like, okay, okay. I didn't think it wasn't Holy Spirit. I totally thought it was Holy Spirit. So you know the five love languages? And, um, you know, there's a primary love language. And I, I speak in a primary love language. Like, there's a, a primary way that I give love, and there is a way that I receive love, right? And so this morning, as God was just talking to me about some things, and I was hearing him say, like, that is really what he, in this season, he's really wanting me to learn at a much deeper level how to let him love me. And I immediately thought of the love languages, and I said, well, what is your primary love language? And immediately I heard it, and I know it's a verse, but it's in the mirror translation, and I didn't have it near me, but he said, I speak in the language of my son. And when I can look in the face of Jesus, and all of who he is, and all of, and that he laid down his life, like, I tend to get so in my head, then, I don't know on the Enneagram, do y'all know the Enneagram? So I'm a seven on the Enneagram, and the problem with the seven is oftentimes we are more disconnected from our emotions because our primary place we go is into our head. And I can talk about emotions, but to feel emotions. So immediately when I'm hearing God say these things, I can immediately go into my head. Do you all know what I'm saying? When God is wanting me to go to a deep, like we were talking about grounding and stillness, he's wanting me to go to a much, much deeper place and sit in that. 
and feel the feeling of it. Letting go of my head, letting go of my primary way and my modus operandi and letting him actually speak to me in a whole new language. And what does that look like? And what does that sound like? And what does that smell like? So um, I'm just gonna read you a couple of things that, um, oh, let me tell you this too. So years ago, and I think I've said this in here, Joey and I went to a counselor. I don't know, I think we've been married for seven years. And Joey decided to drag me into a counselor because he knew that something was very wrong with me. And he was like, we are going to go get this fixed and we're going to sit down. He is going to tell you how wrong you are. And literally, week after week after week, Joey got the tar beat out of him. <laughs> and finally, and back then it was a lot of money. I can't remember what it was now, but um, I remember weeks and Joey was like, when is it her turn? <laughs> like, I feel like I'm just paying you to like beat me up. He's like, oh, it's not gonna be her turn for a long time. <laughs> but one of the things he said, and I know I just misinterpreted what he said, but one of the things he said, he's like, Kelly, you want Joey to make love to your soul. And I grabbed that. Yes, I want Joey to make love to my soul. I wanna feel it deeply. He needs to like meet every part of me. Like, that's what I need, and so that's what's wrong with him. And so, I mean, I used that thing as a weapon to bludgeon Joey for a long time. You're just not making love to my soul. That's not what you care about. You can't touch me as deeply. You're being shallow. I need to be met deeper. So I'm just going to go to my friends because they can be deeper, and I need to be deeply loved. You need to deeply meet my needs. And do you know what? That place is only reserved for God. I wasted years looking at my husband to meet me on such a deep, deep level. Needs and places that only God has meant to me. And he's the one that told me that. He's like, Kelly, only I was meant to make love to your soul. Only I can satisfy your deepest heart longings, your deepest desires, those places. And the thing is, is that we don't even really let people in enough to let them know how to love us, do we? Like, Joey doesn't really know all of the little things. There's places that we kept hidden. There's places that we don't really talk about, but God knows them. And when I'm learning surrender, and I believe that that's what this year is going to be on a much deeper level. When I am learning surrender, I only surrender when I feel safe. And God is a safe place. Sometimes because of authority figures we've had in our lives, whether it be a parent, a teacher, a coach, whoever, sometimes it's communicated that they're not safe. And we project that onto God. And God is saying, I am a safe place. And in this season, you get to like bear all of yourself to me. And he wants to come in and put his finger on all of those places and speak to me deeply and heal those places in my heart. That's what he's been doing. That's what he is doing. And um, in my journal, I wrote down in big fat letters, and I don't know where I wrote it, but that 2019 is a year of health. Like I'm going after health in 2019 in a massive way. And I don't just mean physical health. And I need physical health. There's things that I want to be stronger and healthier, and, and including you know this whole knee situation that's been going on. But he's been talking to me a lot about the central nervous system. And it's funny because ever during worship, my phone, I got a text and it was from Debbie Rogers and she said, I'm hearing this so clearly right now. I hear God saying um, that I am healing 
the body's nervous system. And I texted her back, I said, that's so funny because I'm so like stuck on this whole central nervous system thing. And I think one of the key words in that is central. The central nervous system, it's made up of the brain and the spinal cord. And what I recognize in my own life, and, and especially in this past season, is because of physical pain, because of some really hard situations that I've walked through, my central nervous system got all jacked up. It's like this, right? Do you know what I'm talking about? You know, sometimes when the pain is gone, we have a memory, and it's like my central nervous system is still on high alert. Do we need to protect her? Is this safe? Do we need to rush in, right? And so even though this pain has been taken care of and is no longer there, my central nervous system is communicating to me, danger, it is still there, pay attention. And those are pathways. So we have the neurons firing, we have neural pathways, and we've talked about this a whole lot, this is not new, preferred pathways that we've walked on for so many years. And it's in this season of 2019, of a year of health, that God is healing his body's central nervous system, that he's speaking that he's going to do such a deep healing in you. That what may, and, and hear me, when I start to say, and you see me do it, walk out a new pathway, walk out a new pathway, don't hear work and striving. Yeah. That's not what it is. It is literally, as I've leaned back into him, and I am letting him love me because he is safe, and I am listening to him, it is a shift in my posture and in my thinking, and I'm going that way. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's that my thought is going, this isn't safe, you need to be quiet, you cannot communicate with that with your husband because, or you cannot say this to that person, or you cannot bring this into the light, you can't tell anyone that this is what's been going on because you'll be exposed. That could be an old pathway, right? Of pain. The truth is, if that's my old pathway and I need to dig a new one, I'm like, no, that's a lie. And I'm going to choose to do what he's saying. What didn't require striving, it didn't require frantic prayer and lobbing up a bunch of stuff. It didn't require, it literally was just a shift in my heart. And as I'm doing that, he's healing my central nervous system. Old pathways of pain. Everything in me get, begins to settle down. They're not firing like, danger, danger. <coughs> Am I making sense? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Can I say something mm -hmm. about that? Yep. One of the things that, that I have found that's been super helpful for me in this process is that in that, during worship and I was talking about that place of stillness, when, my, when, I'm, when I'm breathing and I'm still and my mind is quiet, it's, it's actually been a training process. It's, God is actually training me mm -hmm. in this process that because when I'm, when I'm sitting still, what automatically happens? My brain, a thought comes. Mm -hmm. Well, my true. old pattern was, I follow the train of thought of my brain. Well, then that thought will go to another thought, and, that, and all of a sudden I'm not even aware that I'm breathing. I'm following mm -hmm. that thought pattern, like, well, what am I gonna, well how am I going to change that pathway? What's happening as I bring, as I bring, as I'm learning how to, to stay in the still place, the thought arises, I observe the thought, I see the thought, I stay still, the thought comes, I observe the thought, and I let the thought go, I come back to my breath, I come back centered with God. And what that's doing now in my daily life is that as thoughts come, I'm learning 
I'm aware of them, I see them, it's like I look at them. And I'm able to choose in that moment, not out of a frantic pace of trying to find the thoughts and figure out what to do, but they come. I'm able to stay still. And I'm able to, I'm, I'm able to look at that, whatever that pattern is, that, that thing that's arising, and see it for what it is, and then choose from a place of stillness. Does that make sense? That's been super, super helpful for me in that whole process. The, what, what I'm doing in that God's training me in the place of stillness, how to stay still and observe and what to do with those things. So that's been helpful for me. Um, yeah, and one of the things that has been helpful for me in doing that in that same vein when sometimes it's hard to know, like, is this thought? Like, is this real? Is this true? Is this God? Is that I ask the question, what is the fruit of this thought? What is the fruit of that? Because sometimes I don't know. I can't see it really. But I take, so what is the fruit of that? Oh, well, that's going to produce this. And clearly that's not God. That, you know, that's just another helpful. Yeah. Also, what I realize is sometimes how I can identify the fruit is I can feel it in my body. Yeah. A thought comes mm-hmm. and all of a sudden I'm anxious. Mm-hmm. And I recognize the anxiety and, and I can feel it. <coughs> Where do you feel anxiety? Are you afraid? Are you sad? What, what, what is it producing? And I'm learning like, well, this thought is here. All of a sudden I'm anxious, but I know that I don't need to be anxious. From the place of stillness and groundedness with God, I'm like, I don't need to be anxious about that. Why am I feeling anxious? And it helps me discern the fruit of the thought yep. that I can let that no, that's not true. This isn't true. So that's been another helpful thing in identifying the fruit, is paying attention to what it's producing in, in me even, yep. and in my body, my feelings, yes. that kind of stuff. Yes. Um, okay, that's not what we're going to talk about today. <laughs> that was all just a preface. No, we are. We are going to do more of that. Um, a lot more of that, because I do think it's really helpful, um, especially in a group of people. We've done it. We sit down in the groups and be able to say, this is the thought, this is the fruit, this is the way that it makes me feel, and we begin to actually share with each other, but this is the new path I'm taking. And there's accountability in that, there's agreement in that, and it's powerful. So we are going to do some of that. We're not going to meet and talk today as groups, but we are next week. Um, but so last season, if you remember last semester, we did talk about, we made agreement, we broke agreements, we made new agreements, we said some promises that we are really going after, that we believe this is what God is saying, we, we, we got together and we prayed together and believed for those things, right? And I hope y'all are still doing that. And so we're going to do some more of that in this next season but I believe that one of the things the Lord is saying, and I still really don't know what this is going to look like, but it is clear because I just free stream of conscious wrote this down the other day as he was talking to me. And um, he wants us to access the creative part of our brain. Yeah. Um, we've been made in the image of a creator. So every single one of us is creative. Every single one of us is meant to create in whatever way, whatever form that is. And for many, if not most of us, that little artist got stifled at a very young age. When we did color outside the lines and the teacher wrote an F on our paper, you know? Or, well, you can't do that, and who do you think you are? And I want to talk about that a little bit today. But I do think that we are supposed to get in touch with that right-brained, creative part of our being, because that is what's going to help us to build these new pathways. 
when I begin to engage a different part of me and look at the problem through a creative avenue, whether it's painting or like I said, we're gonna do some stuff with Legos, which we do have all the Legos now. I still owe you $40. Um, we're, that while we, what'd you say? Good. I good. <laughs> Need the money. I hope it doesn't bounce. <laughs> um, Thirty, not forty. I really feel yeah. better. <laughs> that while we are looking at something in a more creative light, using creativity and using our senses we actually begin to see things from a whole new perspective. Part of our problem, it's the way we see God. Sometimes we just need a new lens. The lens, my perspective of how I see God, because, and I think it's Brian Zahn that said this, but the image of God that you see is the image of God that you will reproduce or represent whether you like it or not. And sometimes I need a new lens or a new perspective to look at my situation, look at my circumstance that I'm in. And often I'm not able to do that and I need something to get me out of that rut and into another. And I believe that by doing some of the fun exercises that we're gonna do, it's gonna help us to do that. And maybe even do what Amory said, which is stand out, because God has given us the ability to do this, stand outside of ourselves and observe a thought. So this also is going to be, aren't y'all excited? Yes. We're going to play. Yes. We're going to paint and draw yes. and do Legos. Yes. I love that. And so yesterday, for some reason, all of a sudden it came back to me. Remember that toy? I loved them. Shrinky dinks. Yes. Oh, yes. I love those. You color and you put them in the oven and they shrink down. Yes. yes. Did you not do that? It was probably, was it when we were little? So much fun. They shrink down to little plastic. And I think this is what God is saying. Is I just want you to be a child again and just play. Like have fun. Years ago, I had to go out to Denver um, to go to the National Jewish Hospital to get a bunch of tests run for a week. I'd been really sick. My asthma had gotten worse and worse and worse. I was on a breathing machine like four times a day. And it was really odd and scary because I really I hadn't had asthma like that since I was a child and so I got into the National Jewish Center and Joey couldn't go with me and I go out there by myself and I'm staying in this hotel room which turned out to be super dark and I didn't realize I was being really probably tormented by that more than anything but I started getting convinced that something was really wrong with me like it's not just asthma because they were going to do some deep invasive tests and I was convinced like they were going to find cancer for sure I'm dying like it was just dumb but um, so I was going in for this particular test and I didn't want to do it. They had to put me to sleep and I really was feeling a little bit afraid and I was driving and I so clearly heard Holy Spirit say, well then, hey, let's just you and I play today. How about if we just play games? Like, All right, what do you want to play? And I, we played the memory game. We played the name game. He like was reminding me of these rides and it was crazy. But you know what happened when I was playing? I wasn't afraid anymore. When I was playing with Holy Spirit and just dialoguing with him, and I started to forget about the adult things going on, and I became like a child and child by faith just rose up. And I feel like that is what he's giving us an invitation to do. And I just want to read you really quickly. I said entering into 2019, um, we're entering into 2019, this new season, clear and free. 
no residue from the past season. Bring no entanglements or snares from that last season. It does not mean that my circumstance has changed. It means that I don't have smoke on my clothes. Isaiah 43 says, But now thus says the Lord, He who created you, O Jacob, He who formed you, O Israel, Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned. And the flame shall not consume you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel. So we're walking out of this new season. And we did talk about, we wrote down, we were letting go of some things. There were some things that we knew that we had to let go of. But we don't take any of that old stuff into this new season. The bags and the stuff and the weights that I left behind there, I would be foolish to go back and like pick them up and start to walk back into this new season with them, right? Yeah. I left them behind. So those entanglements and those snares, and though we've been walking through fire, it is not consuming us. So he said, strengthen yourself in me. Ooh, what am I doing? Strengthen yourself in the Lord. Past coping mechanisms will not work in this new season. It's time to leave them behind. You were designed to thrive, not merely cope. Thriving only happens when you're planted deep into me and my word, abiding in a habitation that will fully satisfy you. It will thrill you, actually. And then I was, so I was seeing this, and I just entered this room, and I can't really even explain it, but he said, look around, what do you see? What do you want to pick up and do? And I was like, well, where do we start? Because all around I saw paintbrushes, and writing tools, and paper, and fabric, and wallpaper, and blank walls that were meant to be graffitied on, glitter, and beads, and like it was this gigantic room, and all around me were just creative things waiting to happen. Yes, I love that. We get to put our own stuff up here. Yes, that is interesting. So, like, I was like a kid in a candy store because I really, I am a very creative person. And when I go for too long not being able to create in some way, it might just be paint a wall. It might be recover a chair. It, it, if I can't, I literally start to feel like I'm struggling up. Did any of you feel that way? I think every single one of us really feels that way because we were made to create. And so in this new place, I knew that God was talking about getting to some really deep things because he had just been talking to me about leave old coping mechanisms behind. They don't work. There's snares and entanglements to you. But yet now I'm in this room and it's just full on play. It's paint and glitter and fabric. And I was like, well, where do I start? And clearly this place is for me to decorate. It's not working. I'm not trying not to touch it. What's happening? Clearly, this place is for me to decorate, and I have full freedom to do whatever I want. I can, I'm free to choose any color. I can start anywhere I want. I can color or paint on any wall. It's like full freedom. And what do I want it to look like? What is the feel or vibe that I want to create? And I realized this is my life. This is my house. And I create the world I'm living in. 
by my thoughts, by my beliefs, by my words, by my attitudes, and by my actions, and what is the life that I'm building? Because we all get do-overs. It's the whole part about being still and being quiet and being silent with God and looking at my old neuropathic, my old thought structure, my old patterns, belief systems, strongholds, all of those things, and we get to just forge a new one. And we get to use amazing, beautiful colors in all different mediums. It's the goodness of God. And so, I know why I talked to God about what we should do today. I have so much. I'm not going to tell you about these things because I think it's just. We'll talk about those another day. I think that primary is number one, and especially in this season, and it is something, thankfully, that I was taught a long time ago how to do. It's that we have to know how to strengthen ourselves in the Lord. It is one of the things he said to me, me, is strengthen yourself in me. And in 1 Samuel 30, verse 6, and this is talking about David, It says, David was distressed, and the people spoke of stoning him. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. I'm going to talk about another example of David in a minute. But I said this on Sunday night, but anything that is in opposition to you is meant to strengthen you. That the size of the giant that you are facing, that you are staring down, I believe is in direct proportion to the call of God on your life and how God sees you. It might be a mountain of debt. It might be fear of failure. It might be insecurity. It might be sickness. But that thing that is raised up against you is only meant to add to you, multiply to you, and strengthen you. We're going to look at a couple examples of that. Can you repeat what that one, first Samuel? Um, uh, 30, chapter 30, verse 6. Thank you. Mm-hmm. So if there is anything in opposition to you, which, is anyone here facing any opposition? Or is it just like clear sailing? There's nothing in front of you. You're just like... Because you should get up here. Tell us how you got there. No, you don't. No, you don't. You don't. Because I'm telling you all, the things that Joey and I went through that we literally thought would kill us are the exact things that built us and strengthened us and developed the character in us for who we are today. You're not meant to just skirt through life with no. And if you do think you've got no hardships or problems, you might have a problem with denial. <laughs> But we have two ways to look at it. We can shrink back in fear and run and just be like so tired and quit. Or we can do what we've been talking about, which is lean back into God and see what he's saying. Who do you want to be for me right now? What are you doing in this situation? What is the upgrade that you have for me in this wilderness season? If she's saying that there's an upgrade because I'm in a wilderness, then what is it? And he wants to speak. And I'm just going to give you a couple examples. Number one of of the giants in the land. 
Remember in Israel, we don't have time to look at it, we're not going to for sake of time. But do you remember that God gave the promise and there is a wilderness between every promise and promised land. Jesus had the promise, you are my son. This is my son in whom I am well pleased, my beloved son in Matthew 3. And immediately, Holy Spirit took Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And then he came out, strengthened in the Lord and the power of the Holy Spirit, and went about his mission. The Israelites, God gave them the promise. This is the land that I am giving to you. Go in and spy it out. So when they go in, they spy it out. They're like, yes, the land is amazing. It, the like, fruit, you're right, it's flowing with milk and honey. This is its fruit. They have big, huge, I guess, grapes, figs, pomegranates. I don't know what it was. So large that they had to hang it from a pole, and it was on the shoulders of two men, and they brought it back to show them, yeah, this is the fruit. However, there are giants in the land. And they look at us like grasshoppers, and guess what the word says, and so they were. So that thing, strengthening myself in the Lord, if that thing that is not supposed to kill me, it is meant to strengthen me, those giants that were standing in the land, and I guess we will turn to it. Um, no, we don't have time. We don't have time. So they came back and they gave a bad report, right? You know this. We've done this before in here a million times because it's my very good chocolate. And what did Joshua and Caleb say? No, no, no. We can immediately, we can go up, and if the Lord delights in us, we can take the land because they... Big people, the strong people, the giants, they are bread for us. This is the opposition. Some people looked at it with this perspective. Well, they're going to kill us. There's no way we can get the promise. God might have said it. There's no way to enter the land because our perspective is that those are giants. We are grasshoppers. So we cannot take the land. Joshua Caleb had this perspective. No, we are well able to take the land. God has promised to give us the land. And those things that you're saying are going to kill us, that's our sustenance. That's our strength. It's a completely different perspective because they believed God's word. David. Do you remember when David was facing Goliath? And David had already been anointed king by Samuel. He was a young boy. His brothers went off to war. He was back keeping his father's sheep. And turn to this one. Turn to 1 Samuel. Mm. It's in chapter 17. It's so hot in here. 1 Samuel 17. I want you to see this. Hmm. So that Saul... I think it had been for 40 days, something like that. 40 days, Saul, the Philistine, who was a giant, and it even describes how tall he was, how big he was, he is taunting the armies of Israel. And no one, all of these men and all of their full armor, no one is daring to go out and meet Goliath in the valley. I think one's on, the Israelites are on one mountain, Philistines are on the other. Saul is coming out, and he's defying the army of Israel. And here's David, who comes along, his father sent him to go bring some food to his brothers. And David immediately, and I love this right here, look at verse um, 23. As he talked with them, 
Behold, the champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, came up out of the ranks of the Philistines and spoke the same words as before. And David heard him. When you're someone, and if I read the verse earlier, the reason that when God um, chose David, here's something he says about him in verse six in chapter 16. Saul needed somebody to come and deliver him of an evil spirit, basically to break it down. And it says in chapter 16, verse 16, Let our Lord now command your servants who are before you to seek out a man who is skillful in playing the lyre. And when the evil spirit from God is upon you, he will play it and you will be well. <laughs> so this is who they chose. I've seen a son of Jesse, the Bethlehemite, who is skillful in playing, a man of valor, a man of war, prudent in speech, and a man of the presence. David was a man of the presence. David knew the presence of God. David knew what it was, was to worship God with his instrument while he was keeping sheep. And as he got to know his God, he got to know his voice, and he knew the covenant because David believed God's word. He was like Joshua and Caleb. So even though all of the army of Israel is listening to this giant taunt them night and day, David comes on the scene, and the Philistine speaks the same words, and David heard him. And basically David says, what, who is this uncircumcised Philistine who dares to defy the armies of the living God? David knew his covenant. David knew the promise of God. David knew how to strengthen himself in the Lord. He had been doing it for years. And so the giant that the entire army of Israel was afraid was going to take them out, David killed with one stone. When I have been going through this last season... And the enemy is taunting me. And believe me, it has been relentless in some times with accusation and intimidation. Because that's what, the, that's what the enemy was doing to Jesus in the wilderness. That's what Goliath is doing right here to the armies of Israel. It's intimidation. It's exact accusation. It's meant to bully you and make you back down. Who do you think you are? You come at me without a sword. I think that's what he said. When I'm going through this last season, constantly the intimidation is, you know what? Who do you think you are to think that your God will heal you? Who do you think you are to think that you might actually come out on the other side of this stronger than before and healthy? If I had not known from a very deep, deep place in me of strengthening myself in the Lord, I might have just said, you know what it is? It's too hard. I quit. But because God has shown himself to be so faithful... I don't know him to be anything other than faithful. It is who he always is. And I have learned to feast on his faithfulness. It is bread to me. It is my sustenance. And so even though I might do it with fear and trembling, I'm like, oh, yeah, you know, I know my God. Intimidation is a weapon of the enemy to get you to forget who you are. He wants you, intimidation wants you to lose sight of the call of God on your life. Intimidation tries to weaken you, lose your confidence, causes you to shrink back and give background. Your authority, the authority that you and I walk in, comes from the confidence that you have from knowing who you are and what you have been given to accomplish your mission. When you stand up in your godly confidence 
in knowing who you are and knowing what God has told you to do, you are standing in a strong place of authority and no one can take that from you. When you so deeply know this is who God has said that I am, this is who he is in me, and there is nothing that can come against that. I'm telling you, you will stare down anything. You will stare down any giant. Was that Affleck? I looked up the word intimidate and it's to frighten or make someone timid or fearful especially in order to make them do what one wants remember the enemy only has authority if you give it to him when I listen to him turn to Hebrews 10 I want to read this to you and I'm reading it in the SV mostly today Hebrews 10. Part of my, you know how we all have like, I don't know what you do, like <coughs> your personality or the way that you've done things might be just to like come up swinging at something like, oh yeah, I'll show you. Or it might be to work harder and try harder and strive more. And for me, it was kind of like, mine is that, oh yeah, I'm out of here. <laughs> like. I just want to like, this is getting so hard and I just want to go to the beach, you know, for a year <laughs> or travel Europe for a year. That's mine. Like, okay, let's go. Um, and I recognize like the beach is great and Europe's great, but God hasn't made me to do that. Yeah. And I know that. And in this, I love this because in Hebrews 10, it says, and starting in verse 32, but recall the former days when after you were enlightened, you endured a hard struggle with sufferings, sometimes being publicly exposed to reproach and affliction, and sometimes being partners with those so treated. For you had compassion on those in prison, and you joyfully accepted the plundering of your property, since you know that yourselves had a better possession and an abiding one. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. For you have need of endurance so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised for yet a little while, and the coming one will not delay. But my righteous one shall live by his faith. And if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and preserve their souls. I'm not having to work hard to muster up faith. I'm not having to try to like... What I used to do out of religion was have a long enough quiet time and memorize enough scripture and pray enough prayers and make sure that I'd done all of this so that God would come through for me. But I actually live in union with him, and he supplies all of the faith I need as I've learned to feast on him. He said, Kelly, abide in my word. Let it be a deep habitation for you. That means that his bread is literally bread for me. Jesus says, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word, that means prophetic word, spoken word, every word that comes out of the mouth of God. I've learned to live on that, just like Joshua and Caleb knew that that stuff was bread for them. God's saying, Kelly, the things that I've spoken to you, the things that I've done in the past, the things that I've told you in the past, the way you've seen me show up for you in the past, when you've had that confidence in knowing who you are, those things... 
that is your sustenance to live on in the time when you're in the wilderness and you're looking for the manna, right? And it's that. And turn, Luke, I'm, I, am I doing it? It keeps, is it just me? It's just a back court. Okay. Because I know you tell me not to hold it down here. It's okay. Yeah. I just, I, did, I didn't know if I'm like, it is, you're right, it's kind of loose. Um, so this is what I want to do. Um, oh, I love this quote. I just turned to it. Leonard Ravenhill says, a man who is intimate with God will never be intimidated by man. When I am in that place, I, I know, I think I told y'all in here years and years ago when I was so feasting on God because I just had gotten baptized in the Holy Spirit and all this was new to me and I literally was in the Word for eight hours a day probably. Like just soaking it in, I was such a sponge and Joey made some snarky comment to me one night in bed and literally out of my mouth, it just flew out of my mouth. I was like, oh my, you better watch who you're talking to because God is gonna smite you because I'm God's girl. Like it was so in me. Like, I feel like we're supposed to live like that. Like, oh yeah, you better not talk to me that way because let me tell you something. This is what his word says about me. Now, it wasn't terrible. I don't know what he said about me. Was, I don't think it was terrible. I don't <laughs> A man who is intimate with God will never be intimidated by man. Here's what I want to do. Mm. I want you to write in your journal. I know we talked last, I think in December, we talked about accusation. And what was accusation saying? And what I, did we do intimidation? I don't think we did. Did we? No. I want you to write down really quickly, like one, two, three, maybe you have none, but one, two, three, um, voices of intimidation that you've heard. Like I'll tell you what it sounds like for me. Um, well, who do you think you are to get up there and teach that group? Like, look how amazing, look how powerful. These people are powerful, amazing people. Who do you think you are? And what that voice does is it wants me to shut up and sit down, right? So what are some of a, a voice of intimidation that you have listened to? Or it could be a circumstance, I realize. It could be a circumstance of intimidation. In Ephesians 6, 17, it says that when we are in the battle and when we're standing and we put on the, the full armor of God, the sword of the Spirit is our weapon of offense, right? The sword of the Spirit is the spoken word of God. So in that place where he is coming at me, or in this circumstance that is intimidating to me, what is God saying about it? 
if that's my weapon meant to defeat his intimidation or his accusation, what is the word of God for me in that place? And sometimes we don't know the word of God for ourselves. Sometimes it's hard, like, and that's when we need other people, right? That's when other people come along, and you might just out of the blue even get some prophetic word. Or you ask someone, this is what I'm encountering. What do you think God says about it for me? We might have time to do that in just a minute. The defensive, one of the defensive weapons we have is our shield of faith. And it says our shield of faith can extinguish all of the fiery darts of the enemy. Which means every accusation, every slander, every intimidation that's coming at me, my faith, which he's given me, is extinguishing those. And what he has said is going to defeat those. A couple of years ago, Joey and I found ourselves in a really, really intimidating circumstance, which actually threatened like our entire financial future. Like It was a crazy set of circumstances and... A slander, actual a slander from a person, from an entity, if you will. I can't, I'm not really at liberty to say. So there was this slander accusation coming that threatened his entire business. And it was super scary. And when you, sometimes when you're in that situation, you know it's so noisy, like you just can't hear, like, because you feel so afraid. Like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. And sometimes when the fear is speaking so loud, it's hard to get God's word on the matter. We knew what God had to say. We know our destiny. We know the promises of God. And yet, in this specific circumstance, we so needed breakthrough and victory. And I was out in Vacaville, and Matt Gonzalez, he's awesome. He's coming in February. He's coming to speak at Kingdom Life February 10th. Yay. He's so cool. And he, worked, he walks, I know, isn't that awesome? He walks in a very strong word of knowledge gift. Very strong. And I didn't know him well. In fact, I just had met him. The weekend I was there, so yeah, this was a couple of years ago, I just had met him. And I was getting iced tea, and I was walking along, and he, and he just kind of looked at me funny, and I'm holding two glasses of iced tea. He goes, Kelly, um, I, I just heard God say something, and I saw something. I don't know if this makes any sense to you. I'm going to read it. He said, the Lord, let me just say this. this. These people and the attorneys were in New York City, and we were trying to figure out if do we need to enter a lawsuit. We don't want to enter a lawsuit. We don't feel like we should have to sue them. That will be public because it's very public. Joey's kind of in a public business. It'll be in the news. It'll be public. We can't afford that. We don't want to do that. And um, we're going back and forth on it. And Joey was really, really struggling. So I'm walking by him. and He goes, Kelly, I don't know if this makes sense to you, but he said, the Lord showed me in the council of heaven, there are documents coming from New York that the Lord is canceling. I see him standing. He says, I see him stamping them with a seal canceling them. When he said it, I didn't think too. I'm holding two things of iced tea. My legs went out and I hit the ground. My knees just hit the floor. Because it was like, bam. Like, this is what God said. When he spoke that in to the atmosphere and into my heart, and then he spoke it and he went and found Joey, and he said it to Joey, it broke that thing. It took a couple of months before we saw what that was going to look like and how it happened. But because the accurate word of the Lord went forth and spoke into our situation, it was like a dagger in our heart. And it like it just shattered all of the taunts of the enemy. Yeah. They were still coming, but there was no power to hurt us with them anymore. Mm -hmm. 
Because the faith of God, faith comes from hearing the word of God. And when you get a word from God that you know that you can take to the bank, it doesn't matter anything else that is being said because it is defeating. Faith is rising up and it is defeating all of the accusations of the enemy. He has no more authority to speak into that situation. Isn't that awesome? And it took months, and I don't remember how many months now, and we ended up on the other side of that looking back going, oh my gosh. And the crazy thing, I just had been praying a lot on the way up there um, to Vacaville about kind of like the prayers of the council of heaven and in the courts of heaven and what God would have us do with it. So for him to even use that language was so specific, so, so awesome. So you've written down those things, intimidations or any kind of things or uh, circumstance that you're hearing or in. And then have you written down what did God say? What does God say about it? Ask him. And if you were in the prophetic class, remember, a a flyby? If you say, God, what do you say about this circumstance? Don't ignore flybys, meaning this kind of just popped in my head, but that's probably not, you know. No, that could very well be God's answer. You know what I'm saying? Here's one of the things that makes this difficult sometimes in discerning what is an accusation or not is oftentimes the voice is coming from within and it sounds like my voice. Do you know, because I've listened to it so long that I don't even recognize that that is so nice, Kelly. That is from the pit of hell. It might not even be like so... So uh, black and white are so strong. It can be super subtle. Like for me, I've had it in my heart to write this particular book for a long time. And I've done a lot of writing, but this particular thing. But the thought that always immediately comes up, and I realize it's a block. I'm talking about letting our little inner artist child come out, and this is a massive block, and it is, you're too old now. Like, gosh, you're, what a bummer for you. You're 53, and you've never written it. And it's this inner dialogue, it's your inner critic. I've so partnered just with this voice of accusation and this taunting, belittling, bullying thing that now it's just me going, well, you know, I'm too old. Why even try? It doesn't matter. So you have to be able to also pay attention to the inner stuff. What's coming up out of you that should not be. It's not a part of you, but it is a thought that I've meandered on for way too long. Do you all know what that is? Okay, so if you have any of those, you might want to write those down. So we're going to end with this. Turn to Romans 10. And here's the counter to that. 
2019, I wrote the big words, I'm going to watch what I eat. And I don't mean food. I am meaning I am going to, in 2019, pay attention to what I am putting inside of me. What I look at, what I listen to, what I meditate on, what I'm spending my time on. I am watching what I bread and sustenance that is going in me. I'm paying attention to it. And when that little inner critic raises its voice, I have a whole other journal, and I'm writing down what it's saying. This is what that thing is saying. Now, what is the truth? And then I'm speaking that truth as an affirmation over my life over and over and over again until that is the first thing that's coming up. I don't even hear the little old smarmy inner critic anymore. I actually have a strong advocate who is agreeing and affirming my life, and I am agreeing with him and speaking those things out of my mouth so that my ear can hear them. And all of that noise and all of that stuff is being pushed aside. And here at Romans 10, and I love it so much, it starts, I'm going to start in verse 6. I'm in the ESV. I thought I was going to read the passion. In 6. The righteousness based on faith says, do not say in your heart, who will ascend into heaven? That is to bring Christ down. Or who will descend into the abyss? That is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you, it is in your mouth, and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we proclaim. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. See, I used to think, well, I'm just going to pray this prayer to God who is up there. Or I'm going to write this word, and the word is out here and right here. And it is saying, no, he is not up there, and he is not down there. The word himself, the living, the logos, the word in its entirety, who he is, he is in you. And that is bubbling up and coming out of me. I have ears to hear what he's saying. It's how I learned how to hear his voice way before. I wasn't even baptized in the Holy Spirit yet. I was taught that he doesn't speak anymore. And I was literally feeling like a crazy person because I was hearing him. And I would look around to see if anybody else could hear him. And like things that I was agreeing with with my mouth and my heart, I could hear him going, no, don't agree with that. That's not true. Like he was bubbling up out of me because I had spent a lifetime, years, just meditating on this word. And that was the thing coming up out of me. So that is the thing this year it says, and it's a kingdom principle with the heart. What you believe in your heart, you will confess out of your mouth. So if I don't really know what I'm believing, I need to listen to what I'm confessing. And I need to change my confession. So some of the things and murmuring and complaining and some of that stuff, I need to zip it. And I need to begin actually affirming and confirming who he says with my confession. It is how we inherit our promises. So I encourage you, and I'm going to end, and I'm going to keep it under 60 minutes, I think, which is a miracle. I invite you, like, just not even just on Tuesdays, but, like, maybe buy a new journal and maybe start really militantly going after some of the stuff that has come up against us and some of the giants that we have encountered in the wilderness. And then what does God want to give you in that place? What is the new promise? What is the prophetic word on it? What is provision for you? And I, every day, I'm, I'm endeavoring to do it every day. I'm not being legalistic and weird about it, but I am trying every day. I really am wanting to be meditating upon those things.
so that it is so a part of me, so it is what I am confessing out of my mouth first. And I really invite you to do the same. So I want you to take this last minute, and I want you just to look at what it is that you wrote down, or what your confession is over it. What did God say? And just write one affirmation. Turn it into, um, so this, this is one of mine then. Okay. I am, I am a brilliant and prolific author, and I am well able to write that book. There you go. So what is it for you? What, what is the thing, and what are you saying in its place? Write it down and say it. You can say it under your breath if you want, or you can share it with your table. I find that when I do share things with people, it holds me accountable to those things. Do that. Okay, did I give you all, did I all have time? Okay, how, does anybody just want to share their affirmation and say it out loud and be super brave? Like I just said mine. Well, I kind of took yours. Okay. I'm a brilliant, smart, talented, and capable learner. I can do launch, my master's, my Senegin, Sigismo's gift, and work all at once. Yes, you are. Yes, you can. Yes. Yes. You're well able. Yes. Somebody, I saw something else. I did. I just put below. Um, I'm a light for others. Yes, you are. Mm-hmm. Yes, you are. You are a light for others. You radiate light. You do. You do. You don't have to work on it. It is you. It's in you. I see it. Yeah. It is who you are. Make no mistake. Anyone else? I'm a representative and reflection of Jesus, able to be, do, and go anywhere my soul desires. Yes. Yes, you can. You are bold and brave. Yeah. You're audacious. That's so funny. Bold is what God told me in May. You are. That's what I'm after. And I just got a prophetic word about that the other day. I was reading something about writers, and it said, often it is not talent that makes, that t- <coughs> makes somebody become a writer, but it's actually the audacity to do so. Audacity? It's a good word. I looked it up. It is a good word. Audacious. So I want to be an audacious person. I have the audacity to actually think I can do that. And I can. Anyone else? Oh, sorry. I'm a spirit-filled physician healing children of their cancer and their sickness and disease. Yes, and I Yes, you are. And we will all come to you. <laughs> yes, that's a good one. Anyone else want to? Yeah. I am a compassionate, caring, bold woman who has something to share and people want to listen. Yes. 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 We do. Mm-hmm. We want to hear what you have to say, and you are super bold and audacious. I saw somebody else's hand. No? Yes, you are. I might add that part to mine. I am disciplined. (laughs) 
and you can be my illustrator. <laughs> That's awesome. So good. So I say that, I mean, I know that in the past I can look at like the affirmations as, oh yeah, but I mean, I really do feel strongly like if we, the more I am listening to myself say them and I'm hearing them and I'm believing them, faith is rising up and the ability to accomplish them, there's grace to attach to it. So I just bless every one of you. I just bless the affirmation, I affirm and I agree with the affirmation that you've written on a page and the dreams and the desires that are in your heart. And I thank you, Father, that you are watering on all of that seed. I thank you, Lord, that the seed that is growing up is so beautiful and it is bountiful. And Lord, I declare, and I agree with them too, that we will not keep pulling up our seed to see if it's growing. <laughs> but I trust you, God, with the growth. We trust you, Lord, that you are doing something beautiful and it's time. And so we do. We just relinquish all control or thoughts of control. We shake off any fear and any doubt. We place all intimidation and accusation under our feet. And we agree with you, God. We say yes and amen. And I thank you that you are declaring yes and amen over us as well. In Jesus' name, amen.